You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this podcast, The Lost Generation, Adult Children Who Drift from the Church. Are you a parent of an adult child who rarely, if ever, attends worship? Does your adult offspring show little interest in reading scripture or having a discussion about faith? Do you have any grandchildren who are not baptized? Does that trouble you? In the last few generations, millions of children who grew up in the church have drifted from active participation in the faith of their parents. For many parents and grandparents, this is a spiritual heartache. How do I know? Well, for the last four decades, our church doctors have consulted 372 churches in North America alone, representing 78 different denominational, non-denominational, and independent congregations. And in the process, we conduct confidential interviews with a cross-section of the members of each church. If we reflect how many people we have interviewed in this process, it would be an average of, oh, maybe 65 people per church, and that would total 24,180 people interviewed. This process has helped us learn about a broad spectrum of congregations and a lot about the joys and the challenges faced by Christians and their churches. It's common for a church doctor consultant to be across the table from a couple who, based on their age, might have adult children. Our line of questions generally follows this pattern. How long have you been at this church? Do you have children? And if they say yes, we ask, about what age are your children? Then we ask, did they grow up in this church? If they say yes, we ask how they were involved. Did they attend church with you? Did they attend Sunday school? Were they active in youth group? Were they involved in any other activities? Then we ask, do they still come to this church? And at this point, the majority of parents say, no, they live, and then they mention somewhere far away. And then we ask, do they attend a church nearby where they live? i got to be honest with you. Often, this is a moment of pain. Frequently, they say something like, well, he married a woman who wasn't a Christian, so they don't go to a church. Or our daughter married a guy who grew up in a church, but they don't go. Often we hear their children aren't even baptized. And they go on to say, it really bothers us, but we don't want to interfere during these conversations, honestly, it is very common 
to see tears during this time. You know, this has happened so often. I began the long process of searching scripture about this subject and reflecting about how many churches have developed ministries for children and asking God for insight. By any calculation, the development of the next generation of active Christians appears to be, to a great extent, a dismal failure. To be honest, I reflected about our own adult children. It caused me to thank God that both of our children in our family married active Christians, and their children are involved in church, at least for now. Yet, I feel the pain of so many families who are concerned about the spiritual condition of their adult children and the grandchildren. I began to ask, what could churches do better? What needs to be done differently? Is it enough to simply accept the generational decline of Christianity in America? Is it fair to simply focus on social media as a contributor? What about those young adults who are in church and raising their kids in the faith? What's different about them? Let's look at God's promises. God's promises are clear. Take Proverbs 22, verse 6. It provides a promising and encouraging comment for parents. Listen to what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, the Bible's clarity is powerful. What is not clear is, who is Scripture addressing here? And this got me to thinking. Proverbs was written long before the birth of the church and the development of youth groups, Sunday schools, vacation Bible schools. The message must be directed to parents. And is this a clue about what God has in mind for parents raising the next generation? Have we relied too much on the church, the institution? Are parents even equipped to train their children in the faith? And what does this mean for a whole nation, our society? If you're concerned about the drift towards secularism and the mayhem of our society, you might wonder, does this trend have something to do with many of those who, from a whole generation, are drifting from active Christianity? In the Old Testament, the Lord says, Do not bow down to any idol or worship, because I am the Lord your God, and I tolerate no rivals. Then he goes on to say, and these are hard words, I bring punishment to those who hate me and their descendants down to the third and fourth generation. Now, nobody's saying your kids hate God, but do they have a relationship with the Lord? Yeah, those words from Exodus 20, verse 5, are strong words. Most adult children who are far from God have drifted. Do you see that trend in our world today? Most of these kids, these adult kids, don't hate God, but faith 
is simply not a priority. The scripture continues in a more positive way, yet a challenging tone. In Exodus 20, verse 6, it says, But I show my love to thousands of generations of those who love me and obey my laws. So, if your children have children who have children, what is the imprint of faith? Does it get stronger or weaker? What does that mean for your ancestors, for the bloodline of your family? What does that mean for your nation? What does it mean about the approach we use among our offspring to equip them for a spiritual life pleasing to God? What can we do better? Is it possible we rely too much on the institution we call church? Does the church, in return, help parents become the primary spiritual influencers to their children? Honestly, in all the churches we've worked with, I'd have to answer not too much. The church has not done much to help parents become the primary spiritual influencers to their children. In Psalm 78, 1 through 4, it says, Listen, my people, to my teaching and pay attention to what I say. I am going to use wise sayings and explain mysteries from the past, things we have heard and known, things that our fathers told us. We will not keep them from our children. We will tell the next generation about the Lord's power and his great deeds and the wonderful things he has done. That's Psalm 78, 1 through 4. Let's talk a little bit about the medium and the message. Communication experts explain that every message has a medium. That quote from Psalm 78, 1 through 4 that I just read is a message. However, that message has a medium. That medium is the Bible, God's Word. Scripture sends a messenger. This is God speaking. This is important. This is meaningful. For those of us who are believers, this is powerful. The church is another medium. Your congregation's ministries are media. Sunday school, vacation Bible school, youth group, sermons, Bible studies, even ministries beyond the church. However, the theme of Scripture frequently highlights the medium of parents. Could it be we have put too much emphasis on the institution, and not enough emphasis on those of us who are parents? Could that be one of the reasons we have lost a large percentage of a whole generation of offspring? Have we relied too much on the institution? Have we relied too much on the organization called church? I know, it sounds almost like heresy. It also seems unfair to parents, perhaps, who have never been equipped 
to grow their children in the faith. So that begs a question. Does your church help parents grow spiritual children? Would that make a difference in the future of Christianity? Would that change our nation? Would it have changed the spiritual trajectory of your adult children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren? Here's the deal. It's all about the power of stories. You see, it's not uncommon for parents to read age-appropriate Bible stories to their little children. And that's great. Yet, as our research shows, when many children get involved in Sunday school, spiritual input from parents diminishes. So the spiritual institution takes over. Now, Sunday school is a great idea. Reduced spiritual input from parents is not a good idea. No institution, not even the church, not even the Sunday school, not even the youth group, can take the place of spiritual parents who share their own personal God stories, what God has done in their life. In the Old Testament, in chapter 3 of Joshua, verses 15 through chapter 4, verse 23, there is a classic story. Joshua led God's people toward Israel, and they had to cross the Jordan River. Just as God parted the waters of the Red Sea, he did it again. The flow of the river, the Jordan River, stopped. Joshua 3.16. When they got to the middle of the river, Joshua had 12 people pick up stones from the dry river bottom and carry them to the other side to make a monument. In chapter 421, it says, Joshua says to the people, in the future, when your children ask you what these stones mean to you, you will tell them that the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan for you until you had crossed, just as he had dried up the Red Sea for us. And then in verse 24, it continues, everyone will know how great the Lord's power is, and you will honor the Lord your God forever. That honor will continue in the next generation. You see, Joshua demonstrated to parents how they could pass on this amazing experience to their children. He demonstrated the powerful practice of God's stories. Parents are not usually called to preach or teach theology to their children, and that's okay. Yet every parent has God's stories to share with their offspring. Uh, just think about it. What has God done in your life today? What has the Lord taught you this week? What did you learn about Jesus when you were young? You see, the power of those stories, God's stories, is multiplied by the medium of a parent. Why? Because you got a lot of influence on those children. No Sunday school teacher or pastor or youth ministry, as important as they are, none of them can match the spiritual investment of parents in their children. Think about it. Would that change the trajectory of your children when they become adults? 
One more thought. Remember Jesus and the little children? As our model, Jesus spent some time with little children. It's recorded in Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Now think about it. The Son of God, who encourages all believers to have the faith of a child, the Son of God pauses to focus on a group of kids. As with everything Jesus does, his purpose is a message to all Christ followers, even church leaders and parents. So here's the story. Some people, doesn't say who they were, probably parents of the kids, some people brought children to Jesus. Why? For him to place his hands on them. Let's stop there for a minute. How often do children get a personal, spiritual touch from parents? And then Matthew adds, Jesus also then prayed for them. How often do parents pray for their children in person, face-to-face? I know parents pray for their children silently or away from their children, but how often do parents pray for their children in person, face-to-face? This story in Matthew continues, but the disciples, yeah, they're the early church, all right, institutionalized already. The disciples scolded the people. Ah, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Do your children hear from you that they belong in God's kingdom? I'm not talking about membership in the church. We're talking about belonging in the kingdom. Are you telling your children that the kingdom belongs to them? And this story in Matthew wraps up. He, Jesus, placed his hands on them and then went away. Yeah, your children may be older and perhaps they went away. They live somewhere else. As your children get older, they, in a sense, go away. They move on in many different ways. Even if geographically they're close, they're busy. They got the lives of their own. But let me tell you, when you have them, you follow Jesus' model. Often, lay hands on them. Pray for them. Share your faith with them. Let them know you are not perfect, but forgiven. Talk about your love for Jesus and your value for the church. And then, be sure they are in church, in Sunday school, in vacation Bible school, in the youth group, whatever, all that stuff. But as long as you live, as long as your children are alive, you are Jesus to them. Don't put it all on the institutional church. Scripture says, speaking to parents, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. That's in the King James Bible. In the New International Version, that verse is translated, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, 
they will not turn from it. Proverbs 22.6 That verse is addressing parents, not the institutional church. Wouldn't it be great if we could reverse the loss of whole generations and the heartaches of parents who unknowingly look to the institutional church alone to spiritually raise their kids? Just remember this. As long as you are alive and your children are living, it's never too late. Just speak from your heart. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.